Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our latest vodcast. And this is going to be on the small bell, and I'm going to focus on neoplastic disease. And the first thing, of course, when looking at the small bowel is protocol. And at the end of the day, protocol really is everything. If the studies are done incorrectly or not correctly, you're just not going to get what you need. So there's some decisions that need to be made. One is on the oral contrast aspect of things, and one is on the intravenous contrast. So if I'm looking at a dedicated small bowel study, I prefer a neutral contrast agent. I'll show you examples where positive contrast works very well, and for positive, we use oral omnipaque. But for many of the applications, a neutral agent is ideal. You can use volumen. Uh, I've not been as happy with volumen as some people have been, and in our experience, in most cases, water works very nicely. Also, for a good discussion and evaluation of the small bowel, you need IV contrast material. Typically, around 100 to 120 uh, cc's of Omni 350 works very nicely, and we like to use an injection rate approaching 5 cc's. Now, the protocol is fairly simple in terms of giving the oral contrast. We're using water, typically over a 15 to 20, up to 30 minute period works very nicely. Now, when you look at some of the articles, uh, this article by uh, Alasis talks about CT enterography, and in this article, they use volumen. And as I mentioned, volumen is something that some sites do use. The thing about volumen is it has methocellulose, so it brings fluid into bowel. One issue with water in the non-obstructed bowel, it gets absorbed, and so it's hard to distend the distal bowel. With volumen, what you're essentially doing is creating diarrhea, so the bowel is distended. There are several different protocols with volumen. Um, volumen comes in a bottle, about 450 ml. Some people use two bottles, some people use three bottles. In this article by Elise, they use three bottles, and you could see how they gave it over a one-hour period. They also used IV contrast at 4 cc's a second. When you look at CT enterography, there are really four big applications. But as I said, the th things we're going to discuss today will really be small bowel tumors. And one of the best applications, indeed, would be small bowel evaluation for tumors. Now, in terms of acquisition, when I'm doing a dedicated small bowel study, I typically like a dual-phase acquisition, especially when I'm looking to find a tumor or I'm looking for a source of GI bleeding. Now, I don't think non-contrast scans are of value. If radiation wasn't an issue, perhaps I would get them, but I don't think it helps. And delayed phase imaging routinely is not something we do. When we're doing these studies, we're using thin sections, so we're typically going to use a slice thickness of 0.75 millimeters, reconstructing every 0.5 millimeters. And that seems to work very nicely on a 64 slice or better scanner. A very important thing to recognize is when we look at the images, we're looking at the axials, but that's only a start. We need to look at the multiplanar and the curved planars and the volume rendering and MIP, all the multiplanar and 3D images that we can get because that's critical. I'll show you some examples. This is a simple case where the patient has a polyposis syndrome and the axial imaging, you can see polypoid lesions in the duodenum, best seen about the third portion of the duodenum. But when you look at the coronal views, you really can see it well. You can see how many more lesions there are in fact present and how nicely those lesions are literally carpeting the second through fourth portion of duodenum. But one could argue and say, well, I saw on the axials. You see it better on the coronals and the 3Ds, but I saw it well enough. What about this case? Do you see the duodenal mass here? Boy, that's pretty tricky. You're looking hard. Maybe I'm not showing it well. 
Let's look again. Here's two more images. Look at the second portion of the duodenum. Is that anything there? That little area of enhancement? But you see what happens when you look very carefully right by the circle. You see that enhancement is something that should be of concern. When you use water as a contrast agent, any enhancement will stand out very nicely. And when you see enhancement, you have to worry about tumor or bleeding. Something is abnormal and something is going on. Now, you're still not certain, but if you take that case and you put it in a coronal view, now look at it in a cross-section. Look how nicely you see that mass, sort of a lesion that measures only several millimeters in thickness on the coronal views and on the uh, 3D views. Just very, very nicely shown. Look how obvious it is. And I take it to 3D. Look how obvious that lesion is. So this is a great example of where the lesion was easy to miss on the axials and easy to see on the post-processed images. Now, it's not just radiologists who like post-processed images. article about surgeons. Surgeons love coronal imaging. And about three-quarters of the surgeons prefer that to axial imaging. Now, when you look at some of the applications of CT, one of the most common is for looking at small bowel obstruction. And the question often is, is there a bowel obstruction present? And if so, what is it caused by? What do we need to do about it? And the typical causes of bowel obstruction are adhesions and IBD and tumors and hernias. But if you look at the numbers, number one by far is adhesions with neoplasms only being 5%. Now, in terms of... Uh, other causes in the old days hernias were the number one cause now when you're looking at small bowel what kind of parameters should we use well first of all wall thickening the typical small bowel loop when distended measures a millimeter or so but anything above three millimeters is thickened we look for enhancement either decreased or increased enhancement and even the same pathology ischemic bowel can be either black bowel or very white bowel so Again, we're looking for changes in enhancement. We're looking at position of the bowel. Does the patient have an internal hernia? Does the patient have malrotation? And then we look at secondary signs like the mesenteric fat. Are there nodes in the mesentery? Is it inflamed? What's going on? We look at the bowel loop caliber. We talk about a loop of bowel over 2.5 centimeters as being distended. We look for the small bowel feces sign, which means there's a transition point in bowel. Typically, we look at small bowel and see what looks like feces, and then we follow it to a point where there's a transition to normal bowel, and that usually is the site of obstruction, which can be anywhere from tumor to adhesions. We look for bowel wall thickening, and we look for transitions. And in looking at small bowel, transition points are always going to be very, very critical. So here's an example. We see some dilated loops of bowel. The first loop is fluid-filled. The second loop has what looks like feces in it. And we follow it to the right upper quadrant right there. Now, when you look very carefully, there's a change in caliber, there's thickening. This is adhesions. So what you're dealing with here is small bowel obstruction secondary to adhesions. There's not IBD. There's no mass present. There's no internal hernia. Very nicely showing you the transition point. Another example, small bowel obstruction by the ligament of trites, but unfortunately for this patient, what you can see is a soft tissue mass encasing the small bowel right by the duodenal jejunal junction, and this was due to a carcinoma seen in the tail of the pancreas. Now, although small bowel obstruction, we do think about tumors, uh, there are many causes and presentations of small bowel tumors, and there are many, many reasons why one should be thinking 
about small bowel tumors. And we're going to go through some of those things. However, it's important to realize that small bowel tumors make up less than 5% of GI tract tumors. The big challenge is it's a variable clinical presentation. Articles have shown that from presentation to diagnosis is often 6 to 18 months. And it's not because the patient's not complaining, but it's their complaints are vague and it's very hard to find the cause of the problem. It's also hard to see small bowel tumors classically, whether it's with upper GI and small bowel follow-through or with CT, when they're small. And so many lesions are only seen in retrospect. Now, if you look at tumors, uh, we talk about small bowel tumors as four main types, adenocarcinoma, carcinoids, lymphoma, and sarcoma. And the incidence of these tumors has been increasing over the past several decades particularly fourfold increase for carcinoid tumors. So that's very, very impressive. In fact, when you look at the numbers of small bowel tumors, you can argue what's the most common. We always think about adeno, but carcinoid in some series is now most common. So it's pretty much neck and neck. When you look at small bowel tumors, you can divide tumors into primary and metastatic. And although we typically are looking for the adenos and the carcinoids, we also need to always be thinking about metastatic disease. Patients who have melanoma, patients who have renal cell can get bowel metastasis, and many other tumors can go to bowel as well. So it's very important when we do staging and follow-up that we look carefully at bowel. So let's now take a look at some of the very specific entities. So let's start with adenocarcinoma. That's the most common primary tumor. Typically, the appearance is variable from diffuse infiltration, to a polypoid mass, to a constricting lesion, to a large bulky ulcerating lesion. And you can see the lesions that are just diffusely infiltrating when they're small, these are the ones that are oh so easy to miss. In terms of location, they're more common proximal, duodenum greater than junum, greater than ilium. And as I mentioned, the variable clinical presentation. There is an increased incidence in certain conditions, such as Crohn's, and sprue, but most cases are sporadic. When you look at small bowel neoplasms, there's often discussion as to the increased incidence. Perhaps as dietary, eating certain high fat foods may raise the risk of small bowel cancer, but also things like Crohn's and celiac disease and uh, familiar adenomatous polyposis are all things that um, really will give you an increased incidence of small bowel carcinoma. Now, in looking at small bowel tumors, you can see one of the challenges from a clinical perspective is the presentation. Pain, nausea and vomiting, weight loss, obstruction, GI bleeding. There's a lot of possibilities, and these findings tend to overlap. So often it's hard to really come up with that specific diagnosis, or at least to be thinking about it. And this lack of really thinking about the diagnosis is one of the main reasons for delay. But once they think about it, Radiology often doesn't do a great job. Tumors are small. Look at this lesion in the second portion of duodenum. It's several centimeters in length. It's a very subtle lesion in the coronal views. Or this case, where you're looking what ends up being a duodenal carcinoid tumor, or duodenal carcinoma arising in villus adenoma, you're looking at the axial imaging, and you say, mm, am I impressed by the duodenum? I don't know. It doesn't look that impressive. If you look hard, maybe there's some enhancement there, which is why I said maybe carcinoid. But look what happens in coronal. Look how obvious the lesion is. Look at the, the polypoid nature of the mass from second through fourth portion, okay? But look how hard it was to see on the axials. Another case, 
Here's a patient with, with a history of bowel obstruction, and you can see very nicely the transition point. You also can see the enhancement. In this case, it's very obvious the wall thickening. There's a mass present. That's adenocarcinoma. There's no great difficulty. Now, sometimes you can confuse adenocarcinomas with other uh, possibilities, but in some of these cases, it's probably not going to matter. This patient presented to pancreatic conference with a pancreatic mass, and when you look quickly, it looks like a big ulcerating pancreatic mass. But then you look a little bit further and you say, where is the epicenter here? Where's the pancreas? Is it just simply pushed out of the way? And then when you look at more images, you begin to realize that it probably is not the pancreas, that it's in the peripancreatic region, and that it's growing up toward the patient's portal vein. And you're not dealing with what looks like a pancreatic mass, but you're actually dealing with a duodenal tumor. Or this case, you look at this lesion, it's very subtle, maybe it's ampullary, but this is in the duodenum. This is a duodenal adenocarcinoma with nodes. So sometimes it can be very confusing to make the diagnosis or recognize it. Now, in this case, if you weren't sure of the exact diagnosis, you surely would know something bad is going on and you need a biopsy. But you can see it's a very subtle lesion. Now, I have the bowel really well distended, which is why that lesion stands out so well on the, me on the medial wall. But it's easy to miss, and here it is in coronal display. So I think it's a good takeaway message. You need to be very, very careful when looking at these small bowel tumors. It's very easy to miss. This is another case. This patient had abdominal pain and weight loss. And when you look quickly, this was read as normal. But now you look at the second portion of duodenum. Does it look dilated to you, perhaps? But now you look at the coronal. Now you really see what looks like a really thickened uh, uh, duodenum. Um, and you have to say, gosh, this looks like a mass. You look at the liver, by the way, there's multiple liver mets. But look how that infiltration in the third and fourth portion of duodenum is. It's a classic carcinoma, but look how bulky that tumor is, but look how easy it would have been to miss. And again, here it is. This patient's unlucky, right? That by the time the lesion is diagnosed, the patient has multiple liver metastases. Now, another example. This patient had a history of Crohn's disease, has bowel obstruction, very dilated loops of small bowel. There's no question this patient has bowel obstruction. And when you get down far enough, you can see the distal ileum is collapsed and it's thickened. Very classic for a tumor, right? Or thinking about a tumor, but it's just so linear. It's just Crohn's disease. Now, if you didn't have history of Crohn's, you might have thought about a lot of things. But patient has Crohn's, this is just a typical stricture. There's no problem making the diagnosis. Well, this case does make the point that it can be tricky in Crohn's. Um, I read this as, you know, a long segment of disease. I didn't think about carcinoma. The surgeon who operated didn't think about carcinoma. The pathologist found carcinoma in the specimen in this patient with Crohn's. Now, we have to be careful Crohn's and Sprue are two examples of where patients have an increased incidence of carcinoma. But it's hard. If the loop looks like this, I'm going to call it thickened every time compatible with Crohn's. But if it starts looking thicker as nodes, you would have to worry in a Crohn's patient that the patient could have developed a neoplasm. So it's something you need to be very, very careful about. Now the next tumor would be carcinoid tumors. Carcinoids are the most commonly found in the ileum and least commonly proximal. As I mentioned before, one could argue that they're the most common tumors, malignant in the US, is very neck and neck with adenocarcinoma. It's more common in men and more common in Africans and lower for Hispanics. 
Carcinoid tumors are interesting. They secrete serotonin, which is metabolized in the liver to 5-HIAA and excreted in the urine. Liver meds are seen in over 90% of patients with the carcinoid syndrome. If you have carcinoid syndrome and those symptoms, you always, always have uh, liver involvement. And classically, with carcinoid tumor, the lesions are best seen in arterial phase imaging as the lesions are very vascular. When you look at carcinoid, what is it that we look for? We look for primary mass in the bowel, a mesentery. Desmoplastic reaction often makes the diagnosis. It's really critical. Calcification of mesenteric mass and uh, liver mets. Uh, I mentioned before in terms of carcinoid tumors accuracy. In this article, looking at enterocolysis, look at the results here. Small tumors, 5 millimeters to 30, and their accuracy was just incredible. Their accuracy approached 100%. Now, that's really, really good 100%. But even if it's near 100%, it does make the point that CT with dedicated imaging of the small bowel is indeed an outstanding way. And in this article, they also made the point that uh, multiplanary formations are indeed critical. So everything that we talk about doing, dual phase imaging, multiplanar reconstruction, volume rendering, thin MIPS are all things you need to do to detect even the smallest of tumors. And a couple examples. Remember I said carcinoids are distal. Look at the duodenum. There's a polypoid mass that's enhancing. You got to think carcinoid. Not the best location, but probably not the worst. Very nice example there. And there it is on the volume and MIP imagings. And you can see very nicely the lesion uh, really does enhance. Okay. And here it is, uh, another one, uh, and showing you that enhancement of the lesion. So uh, carcinoid tumors, uh, the classic lesion of small bowel that enhances. We do, and we have seen gist tumors that enhance. I've seen metastatic disease that enhances. So it's all things you need to consider. Now, I mentioned about carcinoids being small and how good we are. Look at the third portion of the duodenum. Now, there's no obstruction, but look very carefully at the circle. See that small lesion there? Look at that bright lesion. That's a small carcinoid tumor. You don't believe me? Here's the coronal images. Look how you easily can see that blush very nicely shown. Now, one thing to remember also with carcinoids, they can be multiple. So this patient has thickened bowel, but there are multiple enhancing lesions, and here it is in a coronal view. This is carcinoid tumor. And in fact, when you take the bone away, this patient had numerous small carcinoid tumors. So again, very, very important. You gotta think about location, but location is not the only process. You think about enhancing tiny lesions. You can think about angiodysplasia with vascular dysplasia, but when you see nodules, you gotta be thinking carcinoid tumor. Another example, here's an enhancing lesion, terminal ileum, great location for carcinoid. You also see a mass next to the terminal ileum in the root of the mesentery to right of midline, and you can see that's the mass in the mesentery. And when you put the images together very nicely, the tumor in the distal ileum into cecum and the patient's mass in the mesentery encasing branches off the patient's SMV. Now, carcinoid tumors can be subtle. You can look at this case. It looks very subtle in the bowel, right where we, I've circled, but that's the mass. That's not unopacified bowel. So uh, with CT using IV contrast and water, there's some learning curve, but it makes it very easy to see these tumors. And here's just a better look at that tumor. 
And here it is when you go coronal, you see the desmoplastic reaction very nicely, very impressive involvement of the mesenteric vessels. But there's no if, ands, or buts what you're dealing with. And here's that same case going from volume rendering to MIP. But again, look how much better you see the tumor. Look at the desmoplastic reaction, secondary involvement. So they're all the things we need to know. What else? Well, in carcinoid tumors, I mentioned liver metastasis, they're vascular, and here's a good example. And if you don't do imaging with uh, arterial phase, you're going to miss many of these lesions. They often become isodense. In this case, you very nicely see the vascular liver mets. You also see the mass in the mesentery, the classic desmoplastic reaction. So those are two of the tumors of the four we're going to discuss. So why don't we do this? Let's take a 15-minute break, get a drink, have some nachos, and we'll come right back. See you in a minute.